you seem to have a reasonably pleasant megabus experience. Well, it was, you know, yeah, it was fine. It was, like, actually extremely quiet the entire time, and I got one of the seats that has, like, a big table, so I could... Okay. I did a lot of band work while I was sitting on the bus on my iPad, and... What does is, what is band work entail? Answering emails. Okay. Uh, like, advancing all these shows we have coming up, like, sending stage plots and... That kind of guest list and that kind of thing. Um, I want to like, I, yeah, I want to. You said band work and it makes it sound so cool, but it's just like pretty much everybody else's work, right? Yeah, so. I just, yeah, I think of it as homework. I mean, yeah, like at this point, we're fortunate enough to have management who helps with some of those things, but it's still like, I don't know. I like doing it, too, because it makes me feel like, okay, I know what's going on. Like and control. also, yeah, we were playing Lollapalooza at the end of this month, and um, we don't have a tour manager or anything. Mm-hmm. We're just going on our own, so we kind of need to know what's happening. <laughs> does it all, does it pretty much all fall on you? Um, I, it, like, <laughs> yes. the yeah, the division of responsibilities has been that way, be, yeah, f- because... Well, for at first, really, because like I had an office job where I was at a computer yeah. all day, and so it was very easy for me to just every new email we'd get, I'd see it right away, and I could just respond to it. It seems like one of those things in life where, like, if you're the first first person to step up to it, you're you pretty much doomed yourself for the rest of the existence <laughs> of the band, right? try to all look at the emails and respond but then all these things happen where you don't know who's responded when and who who's responded to what and so it gets kind of confusing and uh, yeah Allie definitely does a lot of that which is awesome and she's also has a way of making everything sound so official when she <laughs> answers emails and I have like the worst grammar and <laughs> I just uh, don't even capitalize anything when I respond to emails, so I think it's probably best that she does it anyway. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. I mean, there's there's got to be like a real kind of like a fake it until you make it approach at first, right? I mean, you have to you have to sound legitimate before you are legitimate in the beginning. It's completely a byproduct of the job that I had for <laughs> like almost six years. I was doing administrative support for an office at a college, and everything had to had to sound really official. So I actually have a hard time. Sounding casual, you know, in my emails, and I actually I have this thing where I get really mad at people who text me and use periods. Like I'll ask them to not use periods because I have my text set up so that I don't have any punctuation. Because usually now your phones will just automatically capitalize stuff and put in a period, and I I always get really mad when people use periods. I'm like, you sound too stern. <laughs> I'm so, I, I'm still I feel like I'm still sort of navigating the difference the differences between you know different communication platforms in in terms of like what people expect them to be used for. Yeah. Like I I like I like email just generally as a rule because like you know I can check it on my phone and I can check it on the computer. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, at what point does it start kind of becoming official like at what point does it move from the three of you guys just practicing to actually like feeling like a legitimate band we're definitely doing that now (laughs) you're still in that process yeah we i mean this is our job now and we definitely look at it that way it didn't start like that but it's definitely moved into that realm and we have people working for us and people bringing us to the next level and i mean we've all made sacrifices to make this our job which i'm sure ali can attest to um but yeah i mean we definitely look at it that way now even though it is 
so fun and amazing. It's definitely like answering the emails are the part of the the band that people don't really think about, and it definitely is like a job in that way. Yeah, I think even doing things every day like posting on social media, that still hasn't come totally naturally to me because a day can can go by and we don't have anything really of note to say or like there's no upcoming shows but we still need to put content out there you know content content whatever yeah just to remind people like hey here we are we exist we're potty mouth this is us um and for me once i left my job in the winter it was really it's still difficult to find the best way to like use my unstructured time because i was so used to kind of like a clock in clock out situation very nine to five and now it's like every day there are things we could be doing as a band you know even if it's just like by ourselves practicing our instruments every day there are things we could be doing to continue to develop our skills and yeah especially now that we've moved to LA it's been you know a little hard to like remind myself like yes we do have a purpose here like we're not just like sitting in our apartment with no money like we could be doing things to well we are yeah but like but it's but it's way sexier <laughs> yeah. than that right yeah. you're in a rock and roll band exactly yeah <laughs> so yeah i mean it's thinking of the band as a job is is yeah it's just it's just different but we're still trying and learning and going for it so but i mean you i mean you're you're technically still touring on the last ep right yeah. Which was when, when did that come out? Last August. Okay. So I mean it's you know it's 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 funny because I, I mean there's traditionally been a little bit of like mystique around that, right? Of like kind of like going away and working on an album and then coming back, but now there's a sense of obligation that you just constantly have to be out in front of people that you have to engage with them on a on a mm-hmm. daily basis. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, it's yeah, it feels weird. I it feels like for us it feels very frustrating to us that we haven't released more new material since that last EP. Um and like we know we have all this material that we're just sitting on and we want everyone to hear it, but these things take time to make a record and to build up a momentum and a campaign around that. Um and you just have to keep going. I don't know. It was kind of me and Victoria and another friend of ours went to have dinner at Chili's recently. <laughs> and now when you go to Chili's, there's a little TV screen at every table where you can play games while you eat, you know, so you don't have to actually interact with the people that you're sitting with. And so the entire <laughs> time we were playing trivia and one of the categories for the trivia game was music and we always every time we did the music category we'd always win because you're competing against other people in the restaurant and one of the questions that came up was um how do musician artists and musicians make most of their money and the two choices for answers were selling records or touring Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, this is a no-brainer. Touring. (laughs) Like, if you're not touring, you're not making money. Um, And so, you know, there's something to be said about even touring right up and and through the process of recording new material. Because you don't want to release that new material and not have that sort of 
touring momentum behind you. You need to be still doing that and playing for people right up until the new material is released. Really, like how much how much of your days are actually filled by band stuff in between records and between touring? I mean, every day is I, you just constantly get emails. We're constantly texting each other about things that we should be doing it's something that we think about every day and it's definitely a weird thing in that you don't have hours so you can wake up to 10 emails and that's what you do for a few hours and then you don't know what to do with the rest of your day and then it's 10 o'clock at night and you're you haven't done anything with your day you haven't done anything but then you get like a text that's like oh wait we just asked to do this thing like okay let's go meet up with this person and and hang out with them and hopefully something will come of it it's like one of those things where you just constantly have to be ready for the opportunities to i don't know i i found i found i had so are you the only one who like quit like a full-time office job in order to do this so so i i mean i I was uh, I was freelancing a bit o- over the last year, and I I didn't know what to do with myself when I first started doing it. Mm-hmm. When I moved from like a like a full time office job, um, you know, I was talking to a lot of people. I mean, it was it was under unfor- unfortunate circumstances, but I was talking to a lot of people. They're like, "Oh, this is the greatest thing! Like, mm-hmm. you can you get to make your own hours. You can like go see a movie in the middle of the day." But I can't. I feel like so useless when you know when I'm not like working on something during the day it was a really tough transition to make yeah I completely agree I mean yeah just even psychologically I think being at a job with day-to-day tasks you have that constant reinforcement like you have something to do and you get it done and then it's done and you can check it off and um yeah, I felt very purposeful and like, you know, I could see the the outcome of my work and um with the band it's it's more of it's always going to be more of a long-term investment. Like it's the little things we do every day that will eventually add up in the long term, but it's you don't get that um like more immediate sort of positive feedback or reinforcement that what you're doing has a purpose and um yeah it definitely helps when we have a place to practice because that's a way that we can spend our time making it feel like we're putting work into and like making progress as a band because it's a place where we can be and actually be working together on the music instead of just to talking about it or emailing about possible ideas it just like feels good to be in a place doing something well i mean that was that was sort of how i ended up resolving it was you know giving myself a place to be or or certain things to do during the day i mean are Mm -hmm. you like again even even between touring you know when you're not recording an album are you still are you getting together and practicing every day now that we've moved to la we don't have a space yet but before that Allie had a house with a basement that we would practice in at least a few times a week. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, it's fun to just go and hang out and practice. And then usually we'd go out to dinner or go do karaoke or whatever. And it, <laughs> it, it always is like a, a good start to some sort of group activity. But yeah, but it sounds like you're still at a point where it doesn't quite... F- I mean, obviously, other than like the answering the emails, but the actual playing music. It doesn't sound like a, a job at this point. 
yeah, I mean, yes and no. It's like when we're on tour, it definitely feels like a job. Yeah. But I guess in the, especially right now in this transition period of our life where we've literally just moved to LA and we're, yeah, we don't have like a practice space that we can just go to. It's, yeah, it's a, it feels more unclear, but we're trying to think of it that way just because if we don't think about it that way, it will never really grow. And um, I have something I've noticed about bands when they get, then they reach a certain point of success in their careers. I feel like a lot of our peer bands or, you know, other musicians I've talked to, they're like, oh yeah, we never practice. We never get together to practice. We only practice right before a big tour. Like it's a sense of pride for them. Yeah. And I'm just like, I can't imagine us ever being that way because like Abby said, when we get together and practice, that's what feels the most productive because then you've got three brains in a room together and we can work on a song, bounce around ideas. You know, it's, we all, we all, you know, we all have our roles in the band, you know, Abby does like all like most of like the songwriting, but then like Victoria and I come in and Victoria is an incredible drummer and she'll come in and, you know, Abby will have a demo with like computer drums on it. And then Victoria will add her drums and it will comp- become a completely different song. So like getting together and having that time to be like, okay, well what if like the guitar drops out in this part and, and you know, just experimenting that way, that feels like, not only productive, but it's just like invigorating because you get like this creative energy going. And I can't imagine not having that in a band. Um, And I think the bands that do do that are bands that probably have one person who's really sort of like the dictator, not just like the primary songwriter, but they're like, have an idea of how everything in the song should go. Like, okay, this is how the drum should be. This is how the bass should be. And they just send those instructions off to their bandmates and their bandmates figure out their parts and play them and it's you know it's like following you know a formula that's already been given to you but with us we, we don't do it that way so I'm really looking forward I, like we have a practice space lined up in LA it's just a matter of getting in there and um really uh working on all of our new songs one part of uh, being in a band that probably wouldn't sound like a job but definitely contributes is uh, just the act of listening to music or seeing someone play at least for me is always feels like an educational process and uh, I like even if I haven't really done anything technically for the band in one day I listen to music whenever I'm driving or whenever I'm just sitting around in the house or doing chores or whatever and I'm always making mental notes of like oh they did this here or it this sounds this way I I want to know like who the producer was and things like that that just feel like I'm working towards like what we're becoming it's interesting I've like I've noticed that like pretty consistently across the different interviews that you guys have done where um you know, certainly there's there's an impulse with a lot of bands to like not listen to other music, you know, for like for fear of being influenced by somebody else. But it, it, it sounds like, you know, particularly as you guys, I mean, you know, granted, these interviews were around the last CP, but it sounded like as that music was coalescing, you like you were kind of like actively seeking influences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, especially coming from a place where. When we started the band we didn't know what it was going to be we didn't know who was even going to sing 
And so I think that having the deliberate idea of, okay, we kind of want this song to sound like the Cars and this song to sound like Veruca Salt, and it it just uh, helps you have a clear path of where you're going. And, I don't know, it just makes it clearer and easier to work together in that way. Also, like, we're just, we're all just, like, obviously we're music fans and we're constantly talking about music and like oh did you hear this have you heard this band have you heard this song and I always get excited to share music with Abby and Victoria because I know if I hear something where I'm like wow that sounds like it it, when if I hear something and I find it inspiring and then I share it with Abby and she she hears it I mean I just she's just such an incredible songwriter like I, I have this distinct memory of like three years ago being in Philadelphia right before we played a show and Abby said something to me like people keep telling me I should listen to Juliana Hatfield I never have and I was like oh yeah like you should totally listen to Juliana Hatfield and now Juliana Hatfield is you know one of Abby's biggest inspirations for her songwriting and just yeah learning about music that way and really listening to um the layers of a song I one one podcast that I really love is Song Exploder mm-hmm. where they take a song and really dissect it and I just love hearing how other musicians approach the songwriting process and the recording process because it gives us ideas yeah. I mean is the end goal though to to you know work to a point where um, the songs don't necessarily sound I mean is, is, is I guess I guess the question is you know is that a is that a compliment or is that a bad thing when somebody like can so clearly point to the artist you were trying to sound like? Um, it's usually a compliment, yeah. especially lately. And now that people are actually recognizing Veruca Salt, Juliana Hatfield, Hole, Nirvana, Foo Fighters, whatever, it definitely means a lot more because we used to get comparisons that didn't make any sense. And we're usually just based on the fact that we're women. Uh-huh. And so now it definitely feels like a compliment because it feels like people are actually starting to notice our music instead of our gender. So I, at least at, for now, I take it as a compliment, but I can see how it is. You definitely don't want to go too far into it because you want to make sure you still have your own sound. So what's uh, so, so as you guys are working on the new one? I mean, how how far into the process of the new LP are you? We have so many songs that could be on the record it's really just getting into a studio to demo them and pick our favorites and and then just do it is it you know are are you going out of your way to sound different on on every consistent record or is it important to have consistency Mm, i mean i think it will be consistent with the ep yeah um definitely just like the more poppy rock sound um but all of the songs are a little different just in their dynamics and you can definitely hear the different influences in each song it's like it's like doing one of those like go. cnn conversations <laughs> where everything's on a delay um <laughs> but i mean it's just it seems like in, in the grand scheme of things i mean you, how long you guys have been together for five years oh, f- okay five yeah. years okay but it seems like you went like pretty quickly into you know like working with with a producer I don't know. Maybe all of this is sort of like like on the outside, but it seems like things coalesce pretty quickly. 
yeah, that's interesting that you have that perspective because that's not <laughs> that's not how I feel. I feel sure. like the first two and a half, three years that we were a band, we it was very, very like low stakes DIY. Let's just do this because it's you know it was a hobby. We we started the band with no big goals or expectations. Abby was in high school. Victoria was still in college. I had just graduated college. They thought I was going to go to grad school. You know, we didn't know this band. I, I mean, I had, I had no idea that I would be doing the band full time. Um, it's pretty wild to think about. And I think in those first few years, we were probably trying to do as much as possible recording wise, because we, we're thinking of the band as more finite, you know, having an expiration date. Abby, we thought, would, you know, for, first it was, well, what's going to happen when Victoria graduates? Is she going to move back to South Carolina? Is she going to stay in Western Mass? And then it was, and then she stayed, and then it was, well, what's going to happen with Abby? Is she, is she took a gap year, but, like, after the gap year, she was going to go to college, and, like, what's going to happen when Abby goes to college? And so these obstacles kept coming up, and with every obstacle, we were like, okay, well, let's just, we just got to do an album. We just got to release as much as possible. So in those first three years, we we released a six-song EP, which came out on a 12-inch, and then we released a 10-song LP, um, which was released... Um, 2013 um and i think after and that was hellbent and i think when that came out that's when things started shifting a little bit because Mm -hmm. that came out on a really small label old flame it's just run by one person but that was our first time um working with a publicist shortly after that we got a booking agent we got a lawyer and once we sort of started to develop this like team around us, when the band became not just us, but a team of people who were working for us, that's when we were like, okay, we started to see the greater potential. And, um, and it helps to have people around you that believe in what you're doing. Like, we're not, a, we, none of us have like huge egos. You know, none of us were ever like, we're going to be like, this or that you know like abby said we didn't even have a singer picked out when we started we had no idea what we wanted to be but when you have people around you who really believe in what you're doing you start to believe in yourself and you start to see you know what's possible and you want to work for it so i i you know maybe maybe it's a little bit of like a, a chicken and egg situation but you know it seems to me that like you you start getting serious as a band as soon as you start kind of outsourcing that a little bit right as soon as you start working with other people mm-hmm. in order to obviously like you know that that has the effect of making you more serious at, at the same time as they're propping it up but um w- w- did you actively seek out that support or like once you had an album out there did things just start snowballing um i don't think we actively sought it out i think yeah for me, like, yeah, when we first started being a band, we were just doing it, like, the punk way that you're supposed to do it. You book all of your own tours. Like, I booked all these tours for us. And to me, that was a fun learning experience. And the connections that we made on those tours are still really strong connections we have now. You know, we have friends in so many cities around the country that we can, you know, stay with when we play there. We can book them shows. But then, yeah, like you said, outsourcing that kind of work just gives you us more time and energy to dedicate to the creative process and just like the experience of being a musician and being in a band so as soon as we got a booking agent it was like for me it was like felt like a huge relief because it was like it was like one less thing I had to worry about um and um but I remember like 
I especially remember the first time we were approached by a lawyer and the first time we were approached by like different management companies I was like we don't need this why do we need this we don't need a manager we don't need a lawyer at that point we had nothing major legally to negotiate and we you know I felt that like I could do all the management stuff we needed and it wasn't until we really started talking like you know we have a great lawyer and he was just like listen you may not need me now but like Eventually, you'll probably Such a need me. Thing to say. And and but like even that, it was like just him saying that made me feel like oh my god, like maybe we will need him. And like he's worked with all these other great bands, and like if he helped them get to where they are, like he, maybe he could help us. And and then with the management thing, that was even a longer process because I don't think a lot of people don't really have a clear idea of what exactly a band manager does because I think there are different types of band managers out there, and there are some like people who really need the micromanaging stuff like they need help answering the emails and or or dealing with finances we're really capable of doing that on our own so for us the experience of working with management has been more like um sort of like a ment having a mentor um having someone to connect us with others like um yeah we i mean we started the band with without that kind of social capital and um, we met our manager Trevor because he came to see us in New York a couple of years ago when we played at 285 Ken and he really liked what we were doing and he emailed us and I remember just like ignoring his first email and being like oh, just another person who wants our money <laughs> and then we finally met up with him because he was being so persistent and I felt like his emails began to they began to feel really genuine like there he was like you know I'm not he's like I'm not going to take a dime from you like uh, unless you you know this got to a you know anything got to a point where you're in a we're in a position where you're making money and I was just like okay maybe this guy's worth talking to so we met up with him and I realized this is this is like a, a real asset for us you know having this person who is has this experience and has these resources and resources and has these connections and from there it's been like a ripple effect because he's in, introduced us to other people and it's just been really. I don't know. For me, it's like I've had to force myself to be more open-minded about those things. And um, but they're they're important. I think too often we, or maybe it's just like coming from like a, like where I like from a more punky background. I'm like quick to dismiss it. But it's when you dismiss it, you sort of are delegitimizing like the very thing you're doing. You know, like we want to be treating this seriously. We want it to be our career. So why why refuse that kind of help but 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 that, that i mean that's the funny thing though right is is you you start working with the, these other people and you're outsourcing all the work but at the same time it's like oh well now there are kind of i don't know payrolls the right word but like now there are kind of people dependent on us and like now now we actually got to now we have to start taking things seriously because we're working with all of these professionals yeah i i think i don't think we ever I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> we're, we're also in a really great position where we're fortunate enough that our managers believe in the greater picture. And so a lot of times they'll sort of just do things and put it on our tab. And then uh, we 
pay them off eventually. It's like we can't always pay them right away, but it always works out in the end. And so, yeah, I mean, I didn't mean them as much like like monetarily so much as like, okay, well, now this is time. Like, oh, like things kind of just got real. Right. I mean, we're, you know, we're working with these people and then, you know, we've got a producer and stuff like that's when things start. Yeah. Turning. I mean, of course. I mean, once all these things started falling into place, we definitely were like, okay, now we want to be the biggest band in the world. Like, if we have all these resources, why not just fucking go for it? <laughs> so what? So so you you went straight from high school? Is that yeah? To, okay, uh, college, mm-hmm. job. Yeah. Um, so the co- like, <laughs> who 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 had? Who, did anybody have like a particularly tough conversation with like? the parents of you know of like okay well now i'm gonna be in a rock and roll band and maybe not go to college yeah i don't exactly remember the conversation that i had with my parents when i said i didn't want to go to college i mean i i do kind of remember the scene but i don't remember what i said and what they said but i remember being really upset because i had just i was supposed to go to mass art in boston and I had was visiting the college, and I remember asking, like, oh, do you know how much time I would be allowed to miss from class if I wanted to go on tour or do this thing? And they were like, oh, you can't do, do any of that. And so I was uh, with my mom, and I remember just feeling so upset and being like, I don't even want to be here anymore. Like, this doesn't feel right to me. This doesn't feel like what I want to do with the next few years of my life I just will feel so out of place if I go here and so I think when I eventually had the conversation with my parents that I didn't want to go to college I feel like they probably weren't that surprised (laughs) yeah I mean that's a pretty good sign like when you get to a college for orientation or pre-orientation when your first question is about how much time you can take off like that's a probably a pretty good sign that your head's not really in the game right yeah yeah I mean I always uh I'm I'm usually a pretty easygoing person and I'll I'll do anything to make things work but yeah I don't think college would have worked for me. <laughs> I mean is there is is there a sense that that's something you still like might do in the future? Yeah, I mean it's always there and uh, I I don't know if I'll do it very soon cuz I yeah. I want this to sort of be my life but um, yeah, I mean, that's what people always tell me, like, oh, you're doing the right thing by just going for something while you have the chance, like, ride the wave instead of going to college, because that's, that will always be there. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, it's, you know, it seems like everyone I talk to, like, the people who have the most success are the people who are just, like, very single-mindedly focused on one thing, you know, mm-hmm. versus, like spreading it out too much and 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 really kind of going out of your way to make it like a like a part-time thing or an after-work thing but i mean it's true you only get like a you get a relatively short window of really being able to go for it yeah yeah so so when when does la enter into the picture um i mean we moved there about a month ago or two months maybe i just it's been a very crazy experience just because we came off of a full U.S. tour and we were home in Massachusetts for about a week and then we drove across the country again <laughs> to, in order to get to L.A. And I don't, don't know 
know if you want to add. But. Well, it was like more like the decision to move to L.A. came, I think, uh, the real turning point was last fall. We went on a West Coast tour, and we had a day off, an extra day off in L.A., um, in addition to the day we played the show there. And, yeah, it was just like, I remember we were just sort of sitting down with our manager and talking about ways that we could further like promote the EP and just more things we can do you know we're just constantly talking about these creative ideas and um a lot of what we were talking about just felt so much harder to do from our tiny town in Massachusetts and we are already going on all these trips to LA to do things and yeah where we where we lived in Massachusetts is is just a very small area um it's a college populated area and so it felt like anyone knew who was coming in were just new college students and here we are just you know Victoria and I had already gone to college there and it's not really a place you go to build a career as a musician I mean you can do it but there's a reason why people from people who want to be in the entertainment industry live in New York or LA, you know, because there is such a wide network of people and, and, um, places to, to, to help you achieve your goals. And yeah, we really just wanted to get out of there. Abby, Abby had lived there her whole life. Um, and Victoria and I had both been there for a while and it was just time to go somewhere new and LA seemed like the best choice. So I, I remember being really scared at first. I, I was like, I was so terrified to tell my parents. They live in upstate New York. And I felt really sad and weird about being that far from them. And um, it felt Im- sort of impossible. I was like, well, how am I going to get my cats there? It just everything about it felt really difficult. But then when I started to break it down and we made a timeline for ourselves, like, okay, like, I'll quit my job in February. I'll, like, take a couple months to, like, figure out the logistics of what I need to do to move everything in my life over. Then we'll go on tour, and then we'll just do it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't know how much of this is, like, living in New York and how much of it is just, like, me, but I, I definitely, every time I go somewhere else, I kind of, you know, secretly, like, fantasize about what it would be like to, to move there. I mean, is that is that... Is that part of touring? Is that is that part of Definitely. like getting out? And 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 mm-hmm. and it sounds like you sort of like got the opportunity to like check out yeah. all these different potential places. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there were only really two real choices. Yeah, totally. I think we've always fantasized about living in different places, especially when we first started touring and we were going to a lot of these places for the first time and meeting so many cool, fun people and bands from all these places like there was a time when we were like let's move to Cincinnati because you know we have friends there who are in bands and it always seems like they're having fun and it's chili on the spaghetti and (laughs) yeah yeah I don't know just (laughs) I mean it's like kind of funny to think about now but yeah places like that you can have like one really good show somewhere and then you're like I want to move there but then you have to remember that your experience of that city is like the one good show that you had there and that could who knows why it was a good show you know it's it could have just been like you played someone's house and they just happened to put on a really fun show or like you opened for a really good band or whatever um and 
I, but I remember when we were in LA walking around and having the same sort of visceral feeling I had when I decided that we're like, when I decided that I wanted to apply to Smith College, which was like the one school I applied to, because I remember visiting and being like, this is where I need to be. And that's how I felt about LA. Um, and yeah, I don't like get that feeling very often, but yeah. So, and moving's, you know, it's not permanent. There's always, you can always like move somewhere else. <laughs> it is interesting that you, you only get, it's, you only get so many like opportunities in your life where you, you have like a very kind of cinematic moment of, um, Oh, well, this is a, like, this is a turning point, you know, this is, and it sounds like, it sounds like you got that when you were there, like, Oh, this could, this, this seems like the way forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could have really the thing rooting me to Western mass for, for so long was my job. And I couldn't, with my job, it just got to a point where the band was getting busier and busier and busier. And our expectation, like our expectations were just getting higher and it was taking more of my time. And there just weren't enough minutes in the day for me to do both things. And so it didn't really feel like it made a lot of sense to quit my job and then just stay in Western Mass. It felt like quitting my job was an opportunity to, to leave. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that, that, it really did feel like a cinematic moment in that sense. So why LA went to New York? <laughs> you gonna come and come to my town and shit talk it? Is you, that... uh, yeah. Do you want the nice answer? No, no, or... no. Beyond, listen, like I've, uh, I, I've been here long enough. Like I know, I know all of the, the bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll talk more about L.A. and that, uh, like Ali said earlier, to someone who wouldn't want to live in a place where it's sunny all the time and it's everyone's relaxed and I, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> you're like looking at me. It like, sounds miserable. Do I to me, not look but relaxed? I'm from California. So. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, we we started in Massachusetts, and uh, yeah. it's just such a small town. So you want to move to a city, but I mean, I. I don't know, something about being in wall-to-wall concrete with garbage everywhere doesn't sound mm. that great to me. <laughs> I And I've, I've lived in the Northeast my whole life. I hate winter. Like, I just don't like the snow, um, and I just don't want to have that anymore. And my dad grew up in New York, and um, I re- when I told my parents that we were moving to L.A., um, well, first I told them that I was quitting my job and they were like, okay, like that makes sense. Like at that point it it felt like a long time coming. They knew that it was getting increasingly difficult for me to just juggle both the band and my job. And, and then after I told them that I was like, and I, you know, and we want to move, we want to move out of Western mass. And they're like, well, where are you thinking about moving? And I was like, the West coast. And they were like, L.A.? And I was like, yes. And they were like, oh, God, we're just glad you didn't say New York. <laughs> like, so they, they were, they were like, my dad, who, who grew up in New York, grew up in Brooklyn and Queens, was, they were relieved that we were moving to L.A. as opposed to New York because, I don't know, it's just, they want a reason to visit L.A. It's, it's just a really nice place. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like, too, I mean, it's, it's this idea of, like, if you're going to go for it, go for it. And you might yeah. as well, like, go as far across the country as you can physically go and have it be as different from where you are. But, I mean, it, it, it also but it also sounds like it was kind of an ideal place to start a band, if not to, like, really, 
uh, take it to the next level, right? I mean, to, to do it in a college town, to have it be kind of a relatively small, intimate a- atmosphere. I mean, it's a lot. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, if you're just starting out as a band, it's. I mean, it's got to be really mm. hard to be in New York or LA. I, I honestly never really thought about it that way, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, when you're in a small area like Western Mass, you're it's easy to stand out because the the like the whole like pool of bands that you're existing within is a lot smaller and um yeah it's like very easy to navigate whereas like even now when we come to new york i'm like god there are so many bands here when when we book shows here and we think of like what bands we want to play with i'm just like it's hard to even like narrow it down because there are so many and i haven't even begun to figure out the scene in LA I mean we haven't been there that long but yeah it's just so vast and everyone everyone's a musician so it was it was nice to start out in a really small area I guess I mean it's probably also nice you know like I mean the the downside of being in in an all-female band is this you know this like this pigeonholing that you were talking about before about people like comparing you to like a very I'm assuming like every right girl band and like the Donna's probably Mm -hmm. right um (laughs) But it, but it's also, you know, again, when you're in a relatively small scene, it, it's also probably something that like helps put you on people's radar, right? Um, no. <laughs> um, yeah. We in Western Massachusetts, there are so many different kinds of bands, and we aren't the only female band from there, and. So it didn't. It doesn't really feel like we stuck out because of it. Like there's definitely a lot of variety in that scene. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. And I guess coming from a small place, that would be the case. But I don't know. She's been waiting the entire she's, interview she's for this been one asleep. answer. No. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in, your, in your brain. I don't know because I hate the idea of using it as a marketing tool, but it's also something that we but, talk but, I mean, about. There's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, there's a there's there's well, a lot of like history of that, right? I mean, there's also the flip side of you want to you want to tell people that we're all women because it's something that people should be talking about, and we want to represent that. Um, but yeah, we just don't want that to be our identity. Sure. I'm, but I'm. I don't know. Yeah, I. I don't know if it made us st- stick out in Western Mass particularly. I mean, we were like when we were starting. Speedy Ortiz was also starting. Actually, they played their first show with us at Flywheel in East Hampton, and then, um, yeah, it always feels like there are a lot of women who are playing music there. I think coming from Smith College or Victoria and I you know going to Smith and our original guitarist Phoebe the fact that we came to Smith made us stand out a little bit more because that is pretty there aren't many rock bands to come out of Smith College um but yeah it's it like Abby said it's 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 always been tough for me because yeah at the same time I have this inclination to foreground the fact that we're all women because it is still uh, not part of like the rock and roll status quo. However, our hope is that 
you know, that eventually change it changes and we get to a point where gender doesn't need to be the marked category by which you define a band um, or like if marked, meaning if the, if it's existing outside the, the, the male status quo. Um, and it's something I think about all, I mean, I like, before I started playing music, when I was in college, I majored in gender studies and sociology, and I just wrote papers about like gender and rock and roll music. And so I, I was thinking about it so much before I even started playing bass, which was another ideological dilemma for me because, okay, if I choose to learn bass, am I just reproducing the same gendered pattern that exists um, within rock and roll music, this idea that you know, the, the female bass player, that women are always playing bass, um, you know, should I should I learn a different instrument to challenge that uh, sort of gender role specialization that exists within rock music? And I ultimately decided to obviously learn bass because um, I also think that the reasons people attribute to why women play bass are, are bullshit reasons. I think it's bullshit that people think that bass is an easier instrument. Um, you could say any instrument's the easiest instrument. It's all about how you're playing it. It's all about how you're approaching it. You can play any instrument at any level of technicality you want. You could bang on one drum. You could play, you know, just play power chords. Like, it's like you, there's so, there's so much potential on every instrument. And, in a lot of the studies that I read about why women play bass, there were all these like discussions people were having about like how it is a feminine instrument because, um, yeah, because it doesn't require as much technical skill as guitar and drums. And I was just like, yeah, that's, that's not, that's not true. And I think that even though I am another woman playing bass, um, which is adding, you know, to this, like whatever, gender division of roles that's happening i you can also like challenge the stereotypes attached to that about it being like the easier instrument and i constantly want to be be better and um get better at my instrument and you know there's also still i have a whole life ahead of me where i can learn any other instrument and so yeah it's something that i think about a lot and yeah, that's basically it. I mean, also, when you're in an all-female band, there's going to be a female bass player, right? I mean, right. That's just how yeah. It works Someone, out. Someone's got to play yeah. bass. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that, that that's kind of the... I mean, that, that, that's one of the cool things about your backstory and I think just about a lot of, like, you know, punk bands forming in general is um, a, a couple of you actually learned to play the instruments like at the first practice, right? I mean, you were kind of like learning the instruments for the bands. Um, wait, sorry, say it again. Oh, no, just, just, just that, you know, I mean, it's, you, you kind of, I mean, you know, you, you, you were talking about how consciously you were choosing what, what instrument you were, you were playing. And um, it's, you know, it's, it's nice to kind of have that much control over from the beginning that like you're literally learning an instrument in order to be in a band. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, it has felt like our songs keep getting better just because we've been getting better as musicians. Granted, Victoria was already an amazing drummer when we started, so that definitely helped. Um, but it didn't 
really I don't know because we started from a place where we didn't know what we were going to sound like it gave us room to experiment and find what sound we wanted to achieve which then guided our learning process for how to write and what to what chords to learn or whatever so so at at what point do you fall into the position of being a songwriter like when is it clear that you're going to be writing most of the songs um it happened pretty naturally our first song that we wrote all together um we all sang on right and and we all we're gonna be a democracy yeah we uh, yeah yeah that's how we are um and we all collaborated on a lot of the lyrics for our first few songs um but i just maybe it was because i was in high school but it seemed like i just had all this time where i really started going for it and just writing songs all the time and really getting into it and we just whenever we practiced i would start bringing these songs to practice and then that's what we would start working on and that's sort of how it's been ever since but that was really early on. I think that was within the first year of being in a band. It was sort of just whoever brought something to practice, it's what we would work on. And I just brought the most, I guess. <laughs> it's really like a good, it was really, looking back, like a good business model because we didn't start the band with like a division of roles. It wasn't like, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to, you know, it was so loose. But instead, we allowed it to really unfold organically, where everyone emerged just doing the thing that they're best at. Like, everyone should just always do the thing they're best at in any organization. And that way, like, the organization can be the best that it can possibly be. And I think that's just what has happened with us. Like, Abby just happened. She's like, yeah, maybe she had more time, like, but she also happens to be, like, it's just, like, her talent. She's really, really good at writing songs, and, um, you know... She's blushing. I think it just it's just funny, because, like, I'm, like, such a talker, and I think about things in these, like, really complicated ways sometimes, and I have a hard time, like, being really concise, and I think that's what gets in the way of me being a good songwriter, because part of being a good songwriter is, like, saying a lot with like with you know pretty few words um and like yeah for context earlier as you were changing the batteries Uh i said that i should just shut up because everything i say sounds stupid (laughs) because i everything that i could say in 10 words ali can say in a hundred words and make it sound so much better but (laughs) well i mean i mean that's you know that's that's probably a pithiness is a good skill for a songwriter to have right Right? yeah (laughs) piffy (laughs) yeah um so yeah i guess that's a a nice way to put it (laughs) but but but, you know i I think i think what's what's nice about it though is it sounds like the fact that you were able to succeed precisely because there wasn't that pressure early on because there weren't Mm -hmm. any expectations like because 
I mean, save for one of you, 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 you weren't even really musicians at this, at that point. So mm-hmm. you were able to just sort of like settle into what really worked for you. If you were, if you went into it, you know, ex- expecting a certain level of, of success and to, to be at, a, you know, a certain point by a certain point, then it probably wouldn't have been as successful an exercise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that definitely, if everyone went into it with different expectations, that's just a poisonous environment to start something <laughs> yeah. I, I, I see it all the ha- all the time with bands I see where it goes wrong when the goal at the very start is to be something to be as big as you can be and it, you know having huge expectations like that only leads to I think huge disappointments you know it's expectations are premeditated disappointments a lot of the times and um i think part of being it's 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 hard because a lot of people who are musicians and creative types are people with huge egos and usually they're very talented and making really good stuff but it's like having a huge ego is what gets in the way of achieving goals because when you have a huge ego you just have, you know, a rigid, really rigid idea of what success means and you're less open to all the little steps that it takes to get there. And I think it's really worked in our benefit that there is no, like, huge ego driving this band. Um, and I think that um, I would never want to be in a band like that. <laughs> so um, since we're just about out of time, what... What question can I ask to get the drummer to talk? <laughs> what, 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 what? Well, no, no. Give, give me something. Give me something. Like, are you playing? Are you playing Pokemon Go? I caught a Pidgey okay. at the very beginning. Is this a? Is this an all? Is everybody in the band playing Pokemon Go? Abby is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it was great talking to you. Yeah, you as well. Cool. Thanks so much. There you go. That was Abby, Victoria, and Allie from Potty Mouth. Thanks so much to them for taking the time to do that. That was a lot of fun. Thanks to Press here for setting that up. You can check out uh, Potty Mouth's new EP, or, or I guess newish EP. It's uh, it's out now. It's called Potty Mouth. It's self-titled, so it should be uh, pretty, pretty easy for you to find it. Uh, find our music resources everywhere. They're also on tour. Uh, highly recommend you check them out. Uh, thanks so much to them. Thanks to Brian, as always, for editing the show together. Uh, thanks to you guys for listening to the program. If you uh, if you like the show, consider rating us on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we got a, if you've been listening for a while, and uh, we're God, we're near, I think we're getting pretty close to 200 episodes at this point. If you've uh, been following along and you enjoy the program, consider uh, sending a, a buck or two our way through our Patreon. Uh, if you uh, what else, you can uh, like us over on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Tumblr. That's rwildcast.tumblr.com. Uh, if you've got any feedback, it's rwildcast uh, at gmail.com. Uh, it's really hot in here. I'm 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 quickly losing energy. So uh, I think that's about all I got for this week. Stick around. We'll be back just about this time next week with another episode of RAYL. Mm-hmm.